Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Today's scripture comes from Mark chapter 1, verse 22. The people were amazed at his teaching. For he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Here ends the scripture. We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. These are perhaps the most popular song in the entire album by Pink Floyd, The Wall. It was in the late 1970s that Roger Waters created this opera of rock and roll in the form of the album, The Wall. The song, Another Brick in the Wall, appears in three different places in different versions throughout the album. And the one that we are focusing on today is number two. And the main focus of this is depicted in the movie, because it was not only an album, but later on they actually made a movie of this album, enacting what the interpretation that the original writer Roger Roger Waters had in mind. This scene opens up with the main character as a schoolboy who is probably around 11, 12, 13 years old. His name is Pink. He's in school, but the first scene you see within the school is the teacher's lounge. And the teachers, when the bell sounds, come walking out of the room, and as they walk out, you hear these words. When we grew up and went to school, there were certain teachers who would hurt the children any way they could, by pouring their derision upon everything we did, exposing every weakness, however carefully hidden by the kids. When the teacher enters the room, he notices that Pink is not paying attention, and he scolds him. And after that scolding, the movie shifts, and the scene is that of a daydream of this little boy as he's sitting at his desk. And in the dream, he depicts for us how he views, either presently or in the future, looking back at his educational experience. And it's all about conforming. The way that he is treated by the teacher is depicted, and the reason given is because the teacher himself is being derided by his spouse. At the very end of this scene, there's pure chaos. As the words again and again resound, we don't need no education, we don't need no thought control, because in their effort to make them into all of the same, they rebel. We're going to show you this video of just this song. If 
for some chance you are highly sensitive, you may want to fast forward. If your children are with you, you may want to just preview the video to make sure that you are comfortable with your children seeing. But the reason we're showing it is to truly understand this song, and it's in fullness. You have to see how it is depicted in the movie. after me. An acre is the area of a rectangle whose length is one for all and whose width is one Wake up, me. 
The meaning of that video is more fully understood when you stop and realize how public education, elementary ed education, arose. It was in the 19th century when industrialization period or that era began that there was a, a major shift that was taking place. Those individuals who were accustomed to working for themselves or working within their family, all of a sudden had to go to another location and obey this individual they didn't even know. And they chafed at that. The other thing was those working conditions were far from ideal. It wasn't clean, it wasn't always safe. And so there was a great deal of strife that arose during this period of time. These individuals who owned these industries looked forward and realized that in order to have enough employees, they needed to create at a very young age individuals who could come into their factories and who had two primary characteristics. Number one, they were able to read. They were literate. And number two, they would comply. They were not going to be rebellious. And so they started public education 
as a way of teaching them society's ideals and how to conform, how to fit in to the rest of the larger society so that everything would continue to work smooth. And so that's why when you see in this video, why you, when you saw it, you hear these words by the schoolmaster, wrong, do it again, wrong, do it again, because it's all based upon doing it right, conforming, fitting in. Do you remember that scene where Pink is writing and then all of a sudden the teacher is there and the teacher points at him and says, what do we have here, laddie? And what is he doing? He's doing something that doesn't conform to the larger educational process. He's writing a poem. And the teacher embarrasses him as a way of making him conform by publicly reading his poem and making fun of it. And that's when you hear the words, all in all, it's just another brick in the wall. That experience for Pink in the movie is a way in which he will protect himself. When you're made fun of, when you're teased and belittled, made to feel that you are outside the norm, we protect ourselves by building this isolation, this wall that will protect us from these outside forces. And that's the wall. That's the first or one of the bricks that will become a part of Pink's life. At the very end of the song, you'll hear repeated over and over, all in all, it's just another brick in the wall. But what's interesting is if you listen carefully to the words, you'll hear that there's a switch in the pronoun. The first time, all in all, it's just another brick in the wall. It being these experiences that we have that diminish our individuality. And then the second one comes in. All in all, you're just another brick in the wall. Let's look at that latter one, that last one first. All in all, you're just another brick in the wall. That's how the students are seen by the educational system back then. They, each individual, are to be bricks in the wall. That's why in the, in the video, they are faceless and speechless. They're just bricks, cold, hard bricks. And they have a role to play in society. They have a job to do, to comply, to fit in, to make the larger system efficient and work well. But if you don't comply, if you don't conform, then the system will take a hit. What about the other phrase? All in all, it's just another brick in the wall. Again, for Pink, this experience of education, 
were these bricks that he used to continue to build the wall to isolate himself from those outside of him that were attacking him. And it's the same thing that happens today. Think about the last time you were in a meeting or at a party with a group of friends, maybe even on Zoom, and you said something. And the verbal and the nonverbal reaction was such that you felt like you said something wrong. You said something that the others frowned upon. Perhaps they actually used words, but you, you know how to read people, be it in person or on, t- on the screen. Right? And how do we respond to that? We respond by isolating ourselves, not physically, but audibly. We become silent. And the next time you're with those friends, you're going to be hesitant to speak up because you don't want to be made fun of. Those type of experiences are bricks that we use in our lives to create a barrier to protect us. Because if you don't create that barrier, you will get sucked in. And you will lose the core of who you are in order to conform. And you will become another brick in the wall. This happens within families. When one of the members of the family don't meet the expectations that have been set forth, either spoken or unspoken. It happens in groups. It happens in the civic communities. And unfortunately, it even happens in religious communities. Some of you may have had that experience where you asked the wrong question. You asked or said the wrong thing. And everyone kind of gives you that look like, oh, and what do you do? I felt it many times. I've had individuals in conversations, and then all of a sudden you just watch their eyes and they kind of glaze over, and you realize the conversation is over, and it's probably not wise to have that conversation again. And so we separate ourselves, we isolate ourselves, we build another brick in the wall. But it not only happens on an individual level, it also happens on a communal level. Churches splinter and separate from each other when they no longer agree. I'm not saying that's always wrong, but it's telling rather than working through something. Look what's happening right now within the Methodist church where we're on the cusp of this separation based upon a, an issue surrounding the LGBTQ community. Isolating, separating itself, putting another brick in the wall of separating religions. But it happens in the civil community. Think about the, the layout, the geography of a city. 
I, I, since we reside here in Phoenix, I'm going to pick on it. When my wife and I first moved here, it became very clear what parts of the community were for the wealthy, what parts of the community were for the middle class, and what parts of the community were for the poor. But these divisions were based not only on the houses that were within them, but in turn, because of the economics, it affected the color of the skin of the people that lived in these different places. And you knew where you belonged. We are continually fighting this desire to separate ourselves from each other, building a wall. And it is so easy to conform and go along with that. And that's why in this song you hear that phrase, we don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. We will stand as individuals and we will not conform. Now again, that's the ideal because that's not what Pink ends up doing. Pink actually ends up building a huge wall around himself, separating from family and friends in order to survive. So that's the first way that you could look at those words, those two phrases. But there's a second way. Those two phrases are actually double negatives. We don't need, first negative, no education, second negative. When you have a double negative, it's actually saying it's a positive. We don't need no education actually says we need education. We don't need no thought control actually says we do need thought control. Now, again, I don't think that's the primary intent that Roger Waters had in mind. But it's a slight possibility that if you pay attention, you catch. And the reality is we need education. We need our children and us as adults to continue to learn we need to understand math and the sciences, and we need to understand history. We need to have that ability to have the basic facts of our society so that we can have coherent discussions with other people. And also, we need thought control. Now, again, I'm not espousing right here this idea of, of brainwashing. But we need to be taught how to think. We need to be taught how to reason. We need especially to learn how to deal with those thoughts that come from our brains so that we don't act on any thought that just pops up in there. We need to be able to listen to arguments and make a judgment call, not against the person, but against that argument, in a way that provides real meaning for us. So we do need education. We do need thought control. 
because those can help us individually and they can also help us civilly with each other. These two ways of looking at those two phrases reminded me of the life of Jesus. Jesus, at a very young age, we are told according to the Gospels, had an understanding of basic Jewish beliefs. There's a story in the Bible of where at a very young age, we're told that he was within the, the, the synagogue, surrounded by these other teachers, perhaps the, some say it was the temple, surrounded by these rabbis, and Jesus is discussing with them. So very early on, you realize that he was educated. You also understand that he knew how to reason. That's why in the text that was read for us for the scripture, it says that when he taught, people were amazed because he taught in a way that other people were not used to. Why? Because he knew how to think. He knew how to take this education, these ideas that he had been taught, and he internalized them and then expressed them in a way that tied into his ideals. That's why Jesus says, you've heard it said, but I say unto you. Jesus knew education. He knew how to reason and think for himself. But yet the other way of understanding those two phrases also applied to Jesus because Jesus would not conform. And he got guff from it. Remember, there's stories in there where his family tries to correct him. His good friends who hang out with him, they try to correct him. We're told in some of the Gospels that there was a time when Jesus said he was going to Jerusalem, and they actually discouraged him because they knew his reputation that he would say or do something that would upset other people, and they actually discouraged him. Even Pilate tries to get Jesus to conform by saying and admitting that he is really not the king of the Jews. Over and over in the Gospels, Jesus is pressured to conform. He's pressured to become a brick that will fit nicely into the Judaic wall. But Jesus says no. And again, the temptation for Jesus is to take all of these different experiences that happens to him and begin to build a wall and isolate himself, basically say, look, if you don't like what I'm saying, I'm done. I'm leaving. But he believed enough in what he was about as an individual that he stood firm. And that makes a difference. For Jesus, not in a positive way. It got him killed. If he had just shut up, went somewhere else, 
He might have lived to a ripe old age, but he didn't. Why? Because he would not conform. He stood for what he believed, and it just wasn't this flippant ideas that he came up with. They were based upon knowledge and reasoning. And when he had that inside of himself, he stood firm. And Jesus sets an example for us today. Let's be honest. We want to fit in. We want to belong. It's a part of our DNA. It's part of how we survive. But do we have the courage to remain secure in who we are as individuals? Have you taken the time to discover for yourself what your values are, your principles, your beliefs? And if you have, then you will understand what in those areas that you are not going to be willing to negotiate. And when there is pressure to conform, you won't just isolate yourself, but you will be willing to tear down the wall that you might have started to make very early on in your life. Life is hard. We have been hurt, and we will be hurt again. And the temptation is to isolate ourselves, protect ourselves from other people, from other ideas, because they feel threatening to us. Will we have the courage that Jesus had to stand firm? And will we have the courage, if we've already built the wall, will we have the courage to begin to remove the bricks from that wall? This is what it means to be community. And if you're willing to heal yourself, if you're willing to deal with these things yourself, then you will be able to accept other people you'll be less judgmental. And when people do things or they say things, you won't be offended because you will realize they are operating from within their own wall. And maybe by caring for them and accepting them, they might find the courage to begin to remove that barrier that they've used to protect themselves. Jesus understood this. That's why Jesus, when he dealt with other people, he knew when to be a little harsh as a way of encouraging and when to show compassion as a way of empowering. 
We, we, we can do this. Let's do this. Let's make the world in the midst of the chaos that we're experiencing, let's make it a better place by tearing down the wall. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.